Jason Ferb has some serious problems with realism. And no, I'm not talking about secret agent platypuses, evil scientists with endless supplies of money, or the fact that two elementary school-aged brothers have managed to travel to space with machines assembled from materials purchased at Home Depot. No! I'm talking about the opening of the show. There's a hundred and four days of summer vacation. A hundred and four days of summer vacation? On what planet? My elementary school only allowed 88 days of summer vacation. I checked the calendars of a bunch of other school districts and the longest summer break I could find was 90. Not only do Phineas and Ferb have a slew of cool inventions, unlimited budget for their summer shenanigans, and a cool secret agent pet, but they get an extra 16 days of summer vacation? That, my friends, is a bridge too far. The summer just keeps going on and on. It feels like it's been going on for like four years. Internet, welcome to Film Theory, the show where I put the summer vacations of fictional cartoon characters under the microscope because my own summer vacations were mostly spent watching fictional cartoon characters. And the price is right. Have your pets bathed or neutered. Today I'm talking about Phineas and Ferb, which just last week celebrated the 10th anniversary of its debut. Now I can already hear some of you saying, Matt Pat, aren't you a little old to be watching a 10-year-old Disney Channel cartoon? Yes. On its face, Phineas and Ferb may seem like a formulaic kids show, but what's so brilliant about it is that's the whole point. Unlike some cartoons, which slowly grow repetitive over years of syndication, Phineas and Ferb intentionally started out as a formulaic show, and it keeps things fresh by constantly finding ways to subvert its own cliches. Most episodes follow the same basic formula, so for those of you who aren't familiar with the show, I'll take you through a typical episode. Two brothers, the chatty, upbeat Phineas and the silent, stoic Ferb, are on summer vacation, and they're looking for a fresh and exciting way to spend the day. The neighbor girl Isabella walks by to ask, What you doing? And something happens to give Phineas the inspiration to say, I know what we're gonna do today! Someone then takes notice of the fact that their pet, Perry the Platypus, has gone missing and says, Hey, where's Perry? The episode then splits into an A story, which follows the boys and their inventive shenanigans, and a B story that follows the secret life of Perry the Platypus, who dons a brown fedora as he goes to thwart the latest invention of the villainous Dr. Heinz Doofenshmirtz, a local mad scientist. I'm an evil scientist, not a mad scientist. There's a difference. Dr. Doofenshmirtz is always cooking up a new invention, like the Drillinator, the Uglyinator, or the Gloominator 3000inator. Generally something with a name that ends in inator and has to be stopped. Figured you'd see the pattern. Several story beats later, the boys have their fun, Perry the Platypus defeats Dr. Doofenshmirtz's latest scheme, and in the process of beating the evil scientist, something happens that destroys whatever the boys were working on all day, eliminating all evidence of their shenanigans before their parents come home, wiping the slate clean for them to come up with some new invention tomorrow. The defeated Dr. Doofenshmirtz yells into the wind. Curse you, Perry the Platypus! Perry goes back home to the boys. Oh, there you are, Perry. And the boys check another day of summer vacation off the calendar. Now, even though I'm talking about Phineas and Ferb, the TV show, I'm not actually going to be talking about Phineas and Ferb, the brothers. Instead, I want to focus today's episode on the villain of the story, Dr. Heinz Doofenshmirtz, creator and sole member of Doofenshmirtz Evil Incorporated! 
Specifically, I'm interested in one very important question here. Why hasn't this obviously evil villain ever been arrested? I mean, it's not like there aren't people and animals trying to stop him. Perry the Platypus is an agent of the Organization Without a Cool Acronym, or OWCA for short. Man, these guys are really bad at acronyms. And most days, his sole purpose is to track down the Despicable Doc. And clearly, Doofenshmirtz is guilty of breaking more than a few laws. Grand Larceny from the time he stole all the city's Mr. Slushy Burger statues and does this Duckville make me look fat, and the time he somehow managed to steal all the stakes in the Tri-State, uh, sorry, the Tri-State area in Comet Kermillion. Not to mention his mistreatment of animals like the time he enslaved monkeys to work in his volcano laundromat. Given the fact that the OWCA employs animals, I would think that they would be taking that last one pretty personally. We also know that the OWCA could arrest him if they wanted to. In the episode, Oh, There You Are, Perry, we see Perry take on a more serious villain, the Regurgitator. You just can't keep him down. At the end of the episode, we learn that the Regurgitator has been apprehended and put into prison. You defeated the Regurgitator. As a matter of fact, he just landed in our prison. Notice that Perry's boss, Major Monogram, says our prison. This is an OWCA holding facility, not some generic state prison. They don't even have the excuse of not being able to find him. He has an enormous building in the middle of the city with a giant freaking name on the front. In short, if the OWCA wanted to arrest Doofenshmirtz, they could. But they don't. They don't even try, which means that something else has to be going on here. Something a bit more devious and underhanded. And that is what we're gonna expose today. Our first clues lie in the Phineas and Ferb special, The OWCA Files. Heinz Doofenshmirtz was once part of the agent training program at OWCA, which is a weird quirk of his past, considering that the organization only allows animals to serve as agents. You know, Carl, it's weird that he's not an animal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We should fire him. I am already on it, sir. Doofenshmirtz, though, found a loophole where he's legally considered an ocelot due to being raised by wild animals, meaning that he was lucky enough to get into the program. I'd say that's probably the first time anyone has described my being abandoned by my parents and raised by Central American wildcats as lucky. Why Doofenshmirtz left the agent training program, though, is a mystery. But it seems like he was fired due to incompetence. We see throughout the series that Doof is good at building things, he's just not good at using the things that he builds. Major Monogram even says it himself in the episode Agent Doof. You've done more harm inside the agency than you ever did outside. In short, OWCA doesn't want Doofenshmirtz as a member of their organization due to his destructive tendencies. Doofenshmirtz! But thanks to a few select details in the Phineas and Ferb movie, we know that they weren't ready to get rid of him completely. In the movie Phineas and Ferb Across the Second Dimension, Perry the Platypus has to break OWC protocol and reveal his secret identity to the two brothers, which, according to regulation, means that he has to be relocated to a new host family. Now that Agent P's cover has been blown, you won't be allowed to see him anymore. However, Major Monogram comes up with an alternate solution. They can use the amnesia innator to wipe Phineas and Ferb's memories, allowing Perry to continue to live with them as an undercover agent. So none of us will remember any of today? That's right. The boys agree, and in the process, they lose all the memories of the adventures that they had while visiting the second dimension with Perry. But hold on for a second there. Amnesia innator? That sounds like the sort 
a stupid name that Dr. Doofenshmirtz would give an invention. And indeed, it is. Dr. Doofenshmirtz's Amnesianator. We find out in the movie that Perry's brown fedora isn't just for fashion. Hidden in his hat is an auto-scan replication device, which OWCA's been using to gather data on all of Doof's inventions so that they can then replicate them for themselves. Every operative is equipped with an auto-scan replication device, just like the one in your hat. We've been using the information you've gathered to replicate each and every one of Dr. Doofenshmirtz's innators. And this is where OWCA's motives finally become clear. Dr. Doofenshmirtz may have been a terrible secret agent and a bad villain. I mean, bad as in he's incompetent at being a villain, not that he's a bad villain, because he's really kind of harmless. But he's a brilliant inventor. The fact that all his plans go sideways usually has less to do with the inventions themselves and more to do with the way he tries to use them. Hey, all of my innators work. It's just that, you know, I, I don't use them properly. I have poor planning skills. The auto-scan replication device in Perry's hat allows OWCA to benefit from Dr. Doofenshmirtz's inventions without having to deal with the problems that he would cause them by being an agent. And the best part is, Doofenshmirtz is the one paying to construct them all. Or, to be more accurate, his ex-wife is paying for it all. I get the big alimony check every month, so money's no object. Doofenshmirtz Evil Incorporated is unwittingly serving as OWCA's research and development department. True, they do have to employ Perry to swoop in once a day to scan Doofenshmirtz's latest invention and foil whatever evil plan he's trying to enact, but that's way cheaper than funding the cost of their own R&D. They let him run free so that they can continue to profit off of his work. And think about what Major Monogram said before. You've done more harm inside the agency than you ever did outside. If Doofenshmirtz is going to be more of a hindrance than a help to whichever side he's on, then having him on the side of evil is actually the best possible outcome for OWCA. We know that Doofenshmirtz is a member of the League of Villainous Evildoers maniacally uniting for frightening investments in naughtiness. You want us to be called Love Muffin? And Love Muffin does have some members who are actually dangerous criminals, like Rodenstein. I prefer you use my full name. Alois, Everhard, Elizabeth, Otto, Wolf, Gang, Hypatia, Gunther, Galen, Gary, Cooper, Von Rodenstein. Who plans to destroy summer forever by moving the Earth away from the sun. That's pretty evil. And notice that at the end of the episode, Rodenstein gets arrested, but Doof? He's allowed to run free! As we know from Major Monogram's daily briefings with Perry, OWCA is always watching Doofenshmirtz's movements vigilantly, which means that wherever he goes, Perry can follow, discovering where the evil guys are headed and what their next plan is. For so long, 10 years now, we've been led to believe that Doof is the bad guy, something that even he seems to believe when he brands his company Doofenshmirtz Evil Incorporated. Yet all of the evidence points to him actually being a tragic hero of Phineas and Fur, a hero whose contributions will never be known or appreciated outside of the OWCA. Not even by Dr. Heinz Doofenshmirtz himself. He's so deep undercover that not even he realizes that all of his schemes are ultimately helping the OWCA, both by acting as the research and development department and by inadvertently acting as a mole who lets them catch the more dangerous villains who actually pose a threat to the public. He may not have been the partner that Perry the Platypus wanted, but he turns out to be the nemesis that Perry needs. But hey, that's just a theory. A film theory. And cut.